Um, speaking of topics, did you see that email? Mm-hmm. I haven't. E- I haven't responded. Have you responded to her? No, because I, I wanted to talk. Did. I wanted to talk to you about it. What are I your thoughts? I love her picture. She's adorable. I know. <laughs> I have no idea what the Japanese characters mean, <laughs> but I love her email. What I could understand of it, <laughs> which I mean was most of it. <laughs> yeah. It made me really happy that we demystified Uni for her. I know. Like, that's so awesome. Hilarious. And yes, we definitely need to do a sweet potato episode. Definitely. I mean, for how much we kept going back to the purple sweet potatoes <laughs> in the first, like, two months of, of the podcast, it has well, to happen. And the Yaki Emo Man is the whole reason that I started to eat sweet potatoes and like them. Because before <laughs> I lived in Japan, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't eat them. Like yeah, we definitely need to <laughs> We definitely need to do that because I didn't even really grow up with them, but it is the the smell of them. Like when you walk by a stand that's cooking them, it's such a comforting smell. Mm. It makes me so happy. Um also, yes, we're totally going to use her as an on the ground reporter. Okay, good. <laughs> definitely. Okay. <laughs> Rachel. And this is the Miso Hungry Podcast. Eat the Dakimas! Just Miso Hungry! Like we do every week, this week we are talking about everything you never knew you wanted to know about Japanese food. Rachel, I hear you made something uh, interesting, but not all that surprising. What? <laughs> not surprising? <laughs> you mean making onigiri isn't surprising? Well, for some people it is. Are you saying I'm obsessed? Well, I mean, you weren't supposed to take it that way, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe. Okay, I'm obsessed. (laughs) No, but this one was different. I made yaki onigiri with brown rice. And yaki onigiri is where you either grill it on a Japanese grill or you can pan toast it. And that's what I did. So I pan toasted it. You just put it in a heavy skillet, kind of low and slow. So it develops this great crust. And then once you do that, you brush it with soy sauce and do a bit more toasting. And it's so good. Mm -hmm. And then I topped it with strips of bacon and chunks of avocado and sprinkled it all with um, shichimi togorashi, the Japanese seven spice. It was deadly. You're killing me. You're just killing me here. I made three. Why don't I live closer to you? <laughs> I know. I mean, it was yesterday afternoon. I made three. One for me and one for each of my girls. And they were gone way faster <laughs> than the time it took me to make them. <laughs> so on this week's episode, we are kind of doing a continuation of what we talked about last week. Last week, we did a pantry episode talking about the essential Japanese ingredients that you should have in your pantry to cook Japanese food. And we introduced you to Japanese rice and to shoyu, also known as soy sauce, also known as Allison gets confused about everything and doesn't know what she's talking about. Also known as we can't shut up talking about soy sauce. Seriously. Goodness. (laughs) We just go on. So this week, we are continuing that 
don't worry, we're not talking about shoyu anymore. We are talking about all of the other ingredients that we think are essential to have in your pantry in order to be able to do most Japanese cooking. So here you go. The next ingredient is also something that we've already mentioned, which is white miso, also known as shiro miso. Yeah, there are lots of different kinds of miso, but the white, well, it's actually kind of a pale yellow color, tends to be most versatile, especially when you're kind of starting out building your pantry because it's usually more mild and so you can use it in more. I feel like I've seen white miso at just my general supermarket, like not even a special supermarket, just my general grocery store that I go to near the tofu and wonton wrappers. Little Both of, of the... Yeah, both of the major grocery store chains here in our city carry both white and red miso. Yeah. In like where they have the refrigerated um foreign products, mm-hmm. foreign ethnic <laughs> foods or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, near the wonton wrappers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but even if you have to make a special trip for it, the great thing about miso is if you've got it tightly covered and you keep it in the refrigerator, they say 6 months, but Really, it can, I, you know, as long as it's not growing mold and smelling foul, you know, I I think you can keep it up to a year in the refrigerator. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you buy a little thing of it and you don't have to use it up right away. Right. Which is really nice. But once you find out how easy it is to make homemade miso soup, and if you like miso soup, then Mm -hmm. that tub of miso will uh, surprise you and disappear quicker than you think it will. (laughs) Also, miso black cod so flipping easy and ridiculously good Mm. i'm just gonna put that out there it's so good well miso marinated fish in general Mm -hmm. so good yes and you'd never guess at least well depending on what you make you'd never guess that that's what it was marinated in yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) like now i want some no that sounds so good (laughs) okay how about Katsuobushi. Um, Katsuobushi is, I feel like it's one of the more exotic ingredients we're going to be talking about, just because I don't think I've seen them anywhere aside from in a Japanese supermarket. Um, And Katsuobushi are bonito flakes. Um, Bonito is a type of fish which they dry and kind of thinly shave so that you get these very, very thin flakes of the fish. One of the most important things that you see it used for is making dashi, which is the classic Japanese sea stock. So this is one really good reason to have this on hand. Now, if you can't find it or you're just still kind of getting used to this idea, you can get away with not using it. There, You can make a vegetarian stock. Um, but the flavor of dashi made with katsuobushi is just wonderful. And dashi stock is something that if you're gonna start cooking a lot of Japanese food it's used in almost everything I mean okay not everything but I see it used quite a bit and the awesome thing about this is you know if you're talking about stock in basically any other type of cuisine that's a process that takes a while you know like making good chicken stock or good beef stock I mean that that's a process well Japanese dashi takes about 15 minutes to make. Could not be easier. Another ingredient that is very good to have on hand because it's one of the, well, pretty much the only other ingredient 
in dashi, aside from water, is kombu. Yes. Kombu is a type of seaweed. It's it's a kelp. It's a thick kelp that is dried, and you buy it in these big pieces. And it is essential for making good dashi, whether it's dashi made with katsuobushi or the vegetarian dashi. It adds incredible flavor, and it has natural glutamates in it, so it gives you the natural alternative to MSG. I put it in all kinds of things. You know, when, when I'm making soup or stew or even rice, I will throw a piece of kombu in there. It just heightens the flavors. It makes everything taste better. It's magic. <laughs> Japanese food is magical. And addicting. Yeah. It's a problem. It really is. I'm sitting here and I'm like, I want more of that scramble. I want more of that scramble. Next classic pantry ingredient is sake. It's not just for drinking. <laughs> yes. Well, especially well, if it's Allison and I, because we don't drink. <laughs> it's only for cooking for us. Sake is used as an ingredient in a lot of dishes, kind of in the same way that, for example, Italian cooking, you see a lot of wine used. It's used as a flavoring. Is there a difference between cooking sake and drinking sake? Or is it just kind of the same thing between cooking wine and drinking wine? There is not a true cooking sake. There are just okay. different qualities of sake. The only true cooking wine is meeting, which is you would never drink meeting. Right. Okay. Only reason I ask is because the one that I used today said cooking sake on it. And I was like, huh, didn't know they had that. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> okay. That's that's a, that's a uh, gaijin creation. <laughs> that's a non-Japanese idea, really. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, meeting. Meeting is a sweet cooking rice wine, and this is, you only use it for, for cooking. It's, you find it in a lot of dishes. It adds sweetness and it kind of counterbalances some of the other flavors. Very often you see both sake and mirin in a recipe um, and they do different things. Uh, sake will help kind of take away the gaminess or the, the fishiness of something. It can tenderize. Mirin, again, is going to add that sweetness. And so they kind of interact together and with the other ingredients in a dish in different ways. And mirin usually, well, it, in Asian markets, uh, you usually find it near the vinegar, the rice vinegar. That's true. And rice vinegar is the next thing we're talking about. Also something that's very important. Um, we've already mentioned it as one of the essential ingredients. But rice vinegar is, um, well, here in California, in Los Angeles, you can find it pretty much anywhere. It's in the Asian mile, mile. It's in the Asian aisle at our big chain supermarkets. And even thrown in with in just the regular vinegar aisle, too. Like at my grocery store, I can find it in both places. <laughs> That's a very good point. I hadn't realized that. But I mean, especially yeah. because Nakano, the brand Nakano, has gone real mainstream and they have a whole line of like different flavors of rice vinegar that you can find next to the red wine vinegar and all of that. And then you can find it again, the more classic Japanese varieties in the Asian aisle. Right. So you want to get, for Japanese cooking, you want to get just the plain, regular, unseasoned rice vinegar. Um, because there I've seen sushi vinegar, I've seen vinegar for salad dressings. 
all sorts of random stuff, but the one that you want is just the plain, unseasoned, regular rice vinegar, because it's actually not that hard to make sushi vinegar, so might yeah. as well just make and, it at home. And if you buy something that says sushi vinegar or seasoned vinegar, that means it's usually got sugar, maybe even some dashi or other flavorings added, and then you're not in control of how things taste. And every brand is going to add different amounts of that. You know, they're going to have slightly different flavor. And so, you know, if you use plain rice vinegar, you can add all that other stuff in to taste. And then you're not adding unnecessary sugar, you know, if you don't want it. And it's just better and cheaper. So our next ingredient is also something that we mentioned a little bit when we were talking about Bonito, uh, the katsuobushi. And it is dried shiitake mushrooms. Yeah, and I've actually been using more and more of the shiitake lately because it's the best Asian market for Japanese ingredients for me is about 45 minutes away. And when life gets busy, it gets really hard to make the trip out. And so, you know, it's not inconceivable that I run out of katsuobushi. So more and more, I've been making a vegetarian dashi. I like making my vegetarian dashi with kombu and shiitake. It makes, you know, really wonderful, flavorful dashi. So you can use the shiitake to make dashi. And you can also use it, um, reconstitute it, adds a lot of flavor to soups and things. And you can slice them up and add them. And it's fantastic. One interesting thing to note is you can you don't really use dried shiitake and fresh shiitake interchangeably. The dried are going to be a lot more intense in their flavor, and they're always used for different purposes in Japanese cooking. Hmm. So if you see one called for in a recipe, you shouldn't substitute the other. Good to know. Ooh, okay. How about one of my favorite <laughs> ingredients? <laughs> Goma. Yes. Sesame seeds. And this is something that you quite possibly already have. In Japanese cooking, we use both black and white sesame seeds. A lot of the time they use it toasted and ground up, but you also see them quite often whole used as a condiment. So you sprinkle it over your rice, over your sushi, over whatever you're eating. And it's if delicious. you're eating, yeah, if you're eating ramen, sometimes they bring out a little thing that's filled with toasted sesame seeds and you mm. turn a little handle you know, like like a pepper mill but it's a goma mill and you it kind of crushes freshly crushes the sesame seeds onto your ramen and it's delicious yes and in japanese cooking and i haven't really seen this definitely not here in in the u.s but it wouldn't surprise me if other asian cuisines have this as well but in japanese cuisine you find black sesame possibly also white sesame, quite often as used in a sweet application as desserts. And it's addictive. Yeah, and I believe, I believe, I'm trying to think, some Middle Eastern countries, I think, use, you know, like they make sesame seed brittle and stuff. Oh, and I'm I think you're right. Totally. I have seen like thicker, like not really thin brittle, but I have seen th like thicker, like squares of sesame seed in something. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but I know I've seen it elsewhere aside from Japanese. Yeah, you're definitely right. And then also you've got in Mediterranean cooking, you've got, or in 
Greek, you've got tahini, which is sesame paste. But um, the difference between that and like a Japanese sesame paste is that tahini is untoasted sesame seeds, whereas Japanese sesame paste is made from toasted sesame seeds. So the color and the flavor are very different. So the last of our essential Japanese ingredients for your Japanese pantry is dark sesame oil. Now, you might also find it labeled as toasted sesame oil. They both mean the same thing. Um, you can use regular sesame oil, but more often than not, you're going to see the toasted variety used. And this is because the toasted or the dark sesame oil is made from toasted sesame seeds and the oil that comes from that is nuttier, you know, has more flavor um, and makes for a really great finish on dishes. You know, it's delicious drizzled over things or when you're eating gyoza, the Japanese pot stickers, it's really delicious to add a little bit of that uh, when you're cooking them. I mean, it's just, it's just a great flavor enhancer. Now I really want gyoza. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, food in general sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I love sesame oil. Me too. Okay, so now that we've talked about some of the really basic building blocks, after that, there are a lot of things that you would use a lot in Japanese cooking, but they're not so absolutely essential. And you might find that as you start cooking more and more, that you really like to have certain things on hand or you may not. So I think it just becomes a preference of what you enjoy cooking in your house. So let's talk about what some of the other classic ingredients are. Well, I mean, a lot of these other classic but not 100% essential ingredients are things that you probably have already heard of. Um, some of them include tofu or tofu products, uh, wasabi, curry powder, uh, nori seaweed, which is the seaweed that you find on sushi rolls. Another seaweed which you see used a lot is called wakame. Um, it's a different variety and it's usually dried. You kind of you uh, rehydrate it and it expands. You've probably seen it in miso soup. One of my all-time favorite Japanese ingredients is something called shichimi togarashi or sometimes called um, nanami togarashi and that is Japanese seven spice. It's this spice blend that's got seven ingredients. It's got um, ground red pepper, ground up dried yuzu peel, sesame seeds, it's, and it's just delicious. I put it on everything. <laughs> You've got a bunch of dried noodles that are great to stock in your pantry. Oh, yes. Noodles are important. <laughs> I mean, it ranges from soba to somen. I've actually never seen dried udon. Does that even exist? It does. It's okay. a lot uh, thinner than fresh. Oh, okay. The the fresh udon noodles are big, fat. <laughs> really fat. Chewy looking things. And the dried udon is looks more like fettuccine or something. <laughs> oh, interesting. But yes, it you can find it. Like near me, I've seen it at Fresh and Easy. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Huh. I'm going yeah, to go have a check whole out Fresh and Easy again. Yeah, they have a whole line of Japanese noodles, but I'm not really... I like using it for non-traditional udon applications. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when it comes to, you know, when I have an udon craving, I just want the big fat noodles. Yes. See, that's the problem about talking about so many different types of Japanese foods in one episode is that now I want all of them. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I want udon. I want uh, gyoza. I want everything. <sighs> Seriously. <laughs> Let's finish by just talking about three of the fresh ingredients that you'll find yourself going through quite a bit of. A lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one that, well, actually, no, I use all three. I was going to say the one that I use the most is, I actually don't Ginger. know. Ginger? Well, I was going to say green onions because I use those a lot even when I'm not cooking Japanese food. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> but then I also use a lot of ginger. And so the funny thing is, this. the longer, you know, the more time it's been that I've been cooking Japanese food, the more ginger I've been using. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to do what I've done for forever with green onion in that I'm using more and more ginger in non-Japanese foods. Because <laughs> I just, I love, especially when you pair it with garlic, Ginger mm-hmm. and garlic do amazing things when they're paired together. Oh, yes, they do. Like when I make homemade spaghetti sauce, my homemade spaghetti sauce always has fresh ginger and, and garlic in it. Always. I'm coming over for spaghetti one of these days. <laughs> it's on. Awesome. And then the third one, okay. which we haven't mentioned, is uh, yes. daikon, which is a type of radish that you find a lot in it's Japanese like a, cooking. Yeah, it's like this big giant white radish but it's a lot more uh what's the word i'm looking for i feel like it's a lot milder mild yeah yeah less pungent than yes say your regular red radishes yeah yeah and they use it in a ton of ways they use it raw they cook it they pickle it there are all kinds of pickles japanese gemono that are made from daikon so it's really versatile and it's good So now that we've thoroughly exhausted the pantry shelves, we're going to step out of the pantry for the time being, but you can continue to interact with us. Yes, if you have any questions at all about the things that we talked about today, or maybe you want to suggest something else that you think should go in a Japanese pantry, you can call us at 657-4-MISOFI. That's 657 464 Seven six three nine. You can send us a message on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at MisoTalk. You can leave, leave us a comment on our Facebook fan page. We always respond to you guys there. You can leave a comment on our show notes on misofy.com. That's M-I-S-O-F-Y dot com. And leave us. We will give you a virtual high five if you leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes because every little rating and especially the reviews also helps more people find us. I'm Allison Day and I'm Rachel Hutchings and you've been listening to the Me So Hungry podcast. The podcast that will definitely be including Sashi Suseso on the university final exam. I was so tired last night, and I was editing, and I was just cracking up at the stupidest things. Like, the word (laughs) condiment is apparently a really funny word, (laughs) because I was sitting there cracking up, could not stop laughing. I'm just like, wow, somebody's tired. There are all kinds of funny words. Mm. (laughs)